Thank you for joining us on Sunday mornings at Frisco Church. And now, here's Pastor Matt. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Joshua. I actually spoke on this a little bit at the pastor's conference over there, and I thought, well, that would be good for us as well. Um, and we're going to look at this for a couple of weeks, and I'm going to title it this, Shout. I don't even have a caption on here. Picture takes care of everything. Shout. Shout. I, I, I think sometimes the, we, we allow the enemy to steal our shout. We allow him to steal our song. We allow him to, to steal our moment of victory. We allow him to steal what God has given to us. The shout that God has given to us, the song that God has given to us, the praise that God has given to us, we so easily allow at times the enemy to come in and steal the very thing God has given to us. The very thing that God has said, I'm giving you a shout, I'm giving you a song, I'm giving you a praise. And before we ever leave the church service, we allow the enemy to steal what God's given to us. So I want to look at our shout. But today I want to look, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at what leads to our shout. Something gets you there. You don't just, if you just walk into church and you're down here and you're going, yes, the worship's good, woo, what gets you there? What gets you to that point? Because noise isn't a shout. I'm not talking about making noise today. I mean, I, I, I'm not talking about how loud can we be. I'm not talking about, some people are just noisy people. You know those people? Like you, you get around them and I know I can be loud, all right? I get that. So maybe I'm the noisy person I'm talking about, come to think of it. But I know some people are noisier than me. And, and they, you know, they're just loud. I'm not talking about volume. I'm not talking about anything like that today. I'm talking about the shout that God gives you. What gets you there? The song, the praise that God gives you. What gets you to that point? And then when we get to that point, are we willing to shout? Are we willing to praise? Joshua chapter 6, verse 16. We're going to be here for a couple weeks, but I'm gonna, we're going to start at the end and work our way backwards, all right? Joshua chapter 6, verse 16. After the seventh time, the priests blew the trumpets, and Joshua said to the troops, Shout! For the Lord has given you the city. We're talking about the story of Jericho. That's, the, that's toward the end of the story of Jericho. I love the story of Jericho. Why wouldn't you love the story of Jericho? The good guys win, and God does this miraculous thing, and, and, and it's a great story. If you've never read it, read Joshua chapter 6. What a wonderful story in the Bible. Uh, and we generally tip, you know, we jump to the end of the story. We, we go all the way down to where we are right now. If we're talking about Jericho, what we talk about is the shout. We go, oh, they shouted and the walls came down. God gave them the city. That's what we talk about. But we don't talk about what leads us to the shout. I mean, the shout's an awesome part. The shout's the part that we love to read about. The shout's when God moved. It's a, it's a great part of the Bible. God shows up in a miraculous way. And we love to talk about that. I, I love hearing like these guys that we were just talking about, I love seeing what they were doing, how God has just blew up and created all, you know, all these churches were birthed and people are saved and filled with the Spirit. And, and I love that, but what we never see is what led to it, what got them there. 
Something gets you to the shout. Something gets you to the praise. Something gets you to the moment that, that we have this new song in our life. And, and, I, and I, we tend to jump to the end. We go, oh, they shouted, and, and you're right, it's true. And, and the end is the best part. But we can't forget what leads us there. I, I enjoy a good movie, but if a good movie has a bad ending, yeah, you know those movies? I'm, just, I'm going to be totally transparent for a moment. There's a couple movies, some of my favorite movies, and I'm not telling you to go watch them. Don't do that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, well, they're pretty good. Uh, but how many's ever seen, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many's ever seen the movie Gladiator? What an awesome movie. I just wish the ending was a little different. I mean, uh, okay, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, the guy dies at the end, all right? What a terrible way. What a terrible way. To, I love Braveheart. Braveheart's a good movie. It was an awesome movie to watch, and I'm like, oh, the ending, come on. I like stories with a good ending. And, and this story is that ending that you just like. It's like, oh, man, they, they shout at the end, God gives them the city. Before we, before, before we get there, we have to, what gets them to the shout? What, what actually, something happened in their life that when it was time to shout, they just shouted with everything they had. So let's just take a few minutes this morning. We won't be long today, but we'll finish up in a couple weeks. A lot happened prior to this moment. Joshua says, shout, they all shout, the walls came down, but a lot happened prior to this. Just a few days, in fact. Within just a few days, a lot took place. Moses was leading these people across the wilderness, following God for 40 years. For 40 years, God just kept showing up and giving them what they were need. God, their provider. He just kept showing up. And for 40 years, nothing really changed drastically. You know, and, and, I mean, there was a lot of changes, but Moses was still the leader. But, but they get finally to the promised land where God was taking them. There was a Jordan River that was separating them between where they were and the promised land that God was given. And God told Moses, Moses, I'm going to let you get them there, but you're not going in. Just before crossing the Jordan, Moses dies. And their long-time long time leadership has, has shifted. And now Joshua is now the leader of the Israelites, and he's taking them, going to take them into the promised land. Definitely a time of transition. Moses dies just before going in. There's changes. They've been being led by a fire at night and a cloud by day. God led them through the wilderness for 40 years. When the Bible says when the cloud moved, the cloud of God moved, they moved. When it stopped, they stopped and set up camp for 40 years. They followed the fire at night, cloud of day, and all of a sudden, that's gone. The, the cloud's gone. The fire's gone. They ate manna from heaven. Every morning, the Bible says they would go out and God would rain food out of the heavens onto the ground, and every morning they would go out and gather up this manna, this food, and eat it every day. They had it provided for them. And the Bible says when they crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land, the manna stopped and they began eating of the fruit of the land. So that there was some shifting taking place, some transition taking place. They crossed the Jordan River miraculously, much like Mo Moses led them across the sea when the sea split. They're now at the Jordan River 
and the Jordan River splits. They walk across the Jordan River on dry ground into the promised land. There was a lot happening, a lot of victories. It's, it's just an awesome time and an awesome season in their life. Everything was changing. Rarely does God get you to your shout without some changing taking place in your life. I mean, they're just change. You may go, well, I don't like change. I like it the way I like it, and I don't like change. Well, you're probably never going to get to your shout because in order to get to your shout, there's going to be changes that take place in your life. God always brings change into our life. He just always does. God's a new God. He does new things in us, and that requires change. There was transition and change and new things happening, but they were excited about it. Do you understand change had to happen for them to go into the promised land? If God said, Moses, you'll never enter the promised land, somewhere in the back of their minds they had to go, one of these days Moses has got to die. If he never dies, we're never getting into the promised land because Moses can't go. I mean, I don't know if they had a party when he died, but maybe they went, wow, finally. You know, I don't know. Probably not. But, but, but now we can enter. They were excited about what God was doing. They were excited about the promised land. Change was taking place. Transition was happening. They were excited about what God was doing. New things were taking place. They were all excited. They go into the promised land after 40 years. After 40 years they go into the promised land, and they're so excited. And the very first thing they run into when they get to the promised land is a walled-up city named Jericho. I mean, I, I was reading this the other day, and I thought, I wonder how many times have you ever experienced a victory, and God did something wonderful in your life, and you're going, oh, this is so great, this is so wonderful, and immediately, I mean, you don't even finish celebrating what God has done in your life before there's another battle in front of you. There's another attack. There's another, there's another fight. There's another city. There's another obstacle. There's another thing. Have you ever went from one victory straight into another battle? One victory straight into another fight. One victory, you're just going, oh, God, you're so good. I've had, prayer, I've had services right here in this church. Many of you don't know this. But I was just going, oh, man, God, your presence and your power is so unreal. I feel your spirit is so powerful, and I didn't even get to my office before someone wants to catch you and tell you how bad everything is and how bad, the you know, whatever, everything. And I'm going, really, can't you just, just give the preacher, here's the stuff, just give the preacher five minutes. Just give him five minutes, all right? Let him take the time just to walk out of the sanctuary. Sometimes you just go from victory to battle. They cross the Jordan River, and they're going, finally, the promised land. And they, they didn't even look up before they saw the walls of Jericho standing there in their face, wondering, now what are we going to do? Now what? Now what's happening? I thought of us and how often we go from victory to battle, how often we go through sometimes of experiencing the presence of God and, and the love of God, and, and, and we, we, we are stepping into a promised land. But understand this. Rarely do you ever get a promised land without some sort of fight. Now, it's funny, the promised land, God told them, I'm giving it to you. 
I'm giving it to you. Meaning, it's mine, and I'm handing it over to you. I'm giving it to you. But, but he also mentioned, you may need to fight for it. Oh, I'm giving it to you, but sometimes God gives us things in our life. That doesn't mean you still don't need to fight for them. Let me give you an example. For those of you who have a family, God's given you that family. That doesn't mean you don't have to fight for them. That doesn't mean that now you can just go, oh, thank you, God. Everyone's in your hands and I'm out. (laughs) No, that's not what that means. Now it's your responsibility. I'm giving you the land, and then God's like, now it's your responsibility. Now, Now you have to do your part. Now you have to follow what I'm telling you to do. Uh, we, we want to land without the, fly, the fight. We want to shout. We want to shout. We want the song. We want the praise, but we want it without the fight. You don't get your shout without a fight. You don't get the praise without a fight. You, you don't get the song in your heart without the obstacle prior to. What leads them to the shout? Well, a lot of change and a lot of obstacles. A lot of battles. We want the land. We don't want, we don't want to do what God's requiring us to do in order to get it. What I found once, once we've been through the battle, once we've been through the fight, once we've been through the difficulty, then we tend to shout just a little easier than we were before. Generally, the shout comes much easier once you've been through the battle. Because now you can look back and go, man, God was so good. Why would this man tell me that when Idi Amin became ruler, it was good for the church? Because now he's on the backside of it, and now they're all shouting, and now they're looking back going, it was worth every minute of that to be where we are today. The shout. The shout. It comes after the battle. Once we go through these things, the shouts tend to become a little easier. I worry, I'll be honest with you, I worry about dead Christians. I say I worry about them, and I'm not going to stay there with you. I'm not going to stay in the, in the tomb with you, but, but I worry about Christians who are dead in, in their spirit. Because I'm thinking, if, you, if, you're, if you're not willing to shout, then you've probably never been through a battle. I want, like, if you've ever, if God's ever brought you through the battle, the shout should come a little easier. And I'm not saying immediately right after the battle and after the hardship and you don't understand everything that's going through. I'm saying eventually somewhere along the way, you can look back and go, God, I don't understand why I went through that, but today I'm shouting. Today I'm shouting. I, I see Christians all the time who I'll go, I don't know if they have a shout. I don't know if they have a shout in them. I don't know if, if Joshua went and the, we're going to shout and the walls are going to come down, and I don't know when they marched around that city on the seventh time and he would have yelled, shout. I know some Christians, that I don't think they would have shouted. I think they'd have went, well, everyone else is shouting. I can just stay here. Where's our shout? Where's our song? Where's our praise? Talking about a God who's done everything for us and brought us out of everything He's brought us out of the wilderness and he's brought us out of, the, out of Egypt and he's done miraculous things throughout our life and now he's led us across the Jordan River and we're facing Jericho. 
I get it. We don't like Jericho. We don't like to face the walls. We don't like to face the battle. But there's got to be a shout within you. I wonder sometimes do we have a shout within us? All I know is this. When Joshua said to shout, they all shouted. I know the walls came down, just as God said would happen. I want to touch on this real quickly, and I'll finish it up next time. Joshua chapter 6, let's go backwards a little bit. All the way back to verse 1, beginning of the story. So now, what led them there? They came across, they go through the wilderness, changing of leadership, fire and cloud is gone, manna has stopped, they cross the Jordan River, and now they're in the promised land facing Jericho. Now, verse 1 tells us a little bit about Jericho. Now, Jericho was strongly fortified. In other words, it was a big city. It had big walls, thick walls. It was a, it was a city that had been built up for years. They, they were established. They had walls of protection. But look what it says. Now, Jericho was strongly fortified because, you've got to get this this morning. Why were they so fortified? Why did they have guards at all the guard stations? Why, why were, did they have people around the wall? Why did they have people up all night watching out over everything? They were a fortified city because of the Israelites. No one left and no one came in. Talking about the city. The city was fortified because of the Israelites. They shut the gates. They shut the doors. They said, no one's leaving the city. You get out, you don't get back in. No one's coming, no one's going. Everyone stays in the city. We're going to be protecting them. And I'm reading that. Just recently I was reading this, and I, all of a sudden I read it from a different viewpoint. I'm reading it now from their shoes. The, the, the ones who lived in Jericho, now they're locked into their city. Great walls. It's a protected city. The Bible says they were fortified because of the Israelites. And I read that and I'm reminded of something. The enemy is actually scared of the Israelites. I'm sitting here going, the Israelites, they come across this thing and they run into this great big city. Now it's time for battle. And I think that's the way we feel sometimes. Like, oh, another victory and another battle. Great, just another battle. I hope I can make it through this one. I don't know if I'm strong enough to make it or not. I just hope what I'm facing next week, I'm, I'm strong enough to make it. I don't know. But then I read the story and I realize something. The Israelites wasn't the ones who were scared. They're not the ones who were worried. It was actually the enemy who was scared. It was those in Jericho going, oh, my Lord, Israel's coming. I don't know if we're going to make it. We've got to afford to lock the gates, lock the doors, close the windows, get in the guardhouse. The enemy, Israel, is coming at us. I think so often we've almost been taught to believe that as children of God, we're supposed to be afraid of the devil. I think we've almost been taught to believe we should walk in fear, worrying, biting our nails off, worrying about what the devil may do to us. What's he going to do next? What's he going to bring next? How's he going to attack me next? And we've almost been taught to worry and fear about the devil. But then I read the Bible and I realize something. In this story, the devil was afraid of them. 
In this story, it was Jericho that was locked up. It was Jericho who was afraid. It was Jericho. Jericho wasn't attacking Israel. Jericho was getting ready for the attack. They knew what was coming. You can go all the way back in Joshua chapter 2. We'll read it next time. For they met Rahab. Rahab said, they're filled with terror. The whole city's filled with terror because of you. As Christians, understand this this morning. You don't need to walk in fear of the devil. You don't need, well, what if he attacks me? What if he does attack you? I guess here's what I would suggest us do. Let's change the narrative and let's attack him. That's what I see in the Bible. That's what I see all through the Bible. Josh talked about the books of, book of Acts last week. That's what I see in the book of Acts. Yeah, but, but Paul was in prison. Yeah, I know. He didn't stop attacking. He was writing letters to the churches while he was in prison, telling them to put on the full armor of God. You're in a battle, and it's time to attack. And I read this story, and I wonder how many days of my life I've lived afraid of what the devil was going to do, when really, in reality, he looks at each one of us, and he's afraid of you. There's a scripture, I'm going to close with this. There's a scripture, <coughs> excuse me, in Matthew. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus is talking to Peter. He says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Then he says something right here. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Or this verse says, the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And Jesus is painting a picture. He's saying, Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. He's talking about the church now. He said, in this church, the gates of hell cannot stop this church. Now, we hear this scripture, and for some reason in our minds, we assume that it's saying this, the gates of hell, as the gates of hell come against us, we're going to overpower it. It's not what it says. Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not be able to stop you. Gates are not a, a tool of attack. That's not an offensive weapon. No one ever runs at you with a gate. Like, I'm going to nail you. Good. You know, no one does that. It's not an offensive weapon. Gates are never offensive weapons. Gates are for defense. Everywhere we slept this past two weeks, everywhere we slept had a gate. A fence and a gate, barbed wire or something around the top to keep people out. That gate was never, those fences were never provided out there to go, guys, if we're ever attacked, go grab that gate and hit someone. No one said that. What they would do is they'd lock the gate up and go, this is supposed to keep people out. So I read this verse a little differently. The gates of hell cannot stop you. In other words, there's an enemy who's afraid sitting behind a gate and the church itself has the power to knock it over. And you're the church. If you have the Holy Spirit in you and you have the Spirit of God living within you, you have the power and authority to tear down the gates of hell. It cannot stop us. Why are we running in fear? Why are we afraid of what the devil might do? Why are we afraid? What if the enemy attacks? What if Satan comes? What if... I, Aren't you, and I've had people ask me, like, aren't you afraid of the devil? Aren't, don't you see what he's doing in the world? Yeah, I see what he's doing, but I'm not afraid of the devil. 
Not when I have the authority of God. I'm a child of God. The Bible itself says I can tear down the gates of hell. He is actually, now you need to say this, and you need to get this, and you need to go home saying it. The devil is actually afraid of you. We are the ones who are supposed to be attacking. We're the ones who has the Spirit of God within us. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't believe the devil is a bit afraid of a lukewarm, wishy-washy, worn-out, tired, faithless church. He's not afraid of that. Here's why. You're just going to go knock on the gate. You're not even going to. If you're faithless and lukewarm, you're not tearing down gates. You're just knocking on them. That's all you're doing. But if, if you're an actually spirit-filled, faith-filled, walking by faith, Word of God in your heart, believer, filled with His Spirit, I'm telling you up front, according to what the Bible says, the devil is afraid of you. You should be knocking down gates. You should be in attack mode. When Paul wrote about the armor of God, everything is on the front. Never once did he say, this is for your back, this is for your calves, nothing like that. Everything was on the front because you're attacking. You're attacking. I just want to encourage us for a moment. We'll finish this up at some point, but I want to encourage us this morning. Let's be what God's calling us to be. Let's be what God's designed, designed us to be. God's never designed the church to run, not once. Never once. I, I was so impressed with those men I was talking about because the guy says, you have 12 hours to get out of here. And I said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. I have this word in my heart. If I die for it, I die for it. You know, something about dying, worst case scenario in life, God lets you stay here. We always go, worst case scenario, I died. Not if you're a believer. Worst case scenario, you're here. That's the worst case. As a believer, this is the worst hell you will ever know. Is right here. The worst case isn't dying. It's funny how we, we get everything twisted in our minds. For some reason we think the devil's attacking us and we're running in fear, afraid of dying. <laughs> that is so not what this teaches. What this teaches is you, are, you need to be in attack mode. You're the offensive team. You're not the defensive team. They're not calling you out. God's never went, okay, time for you to be on defense. He never says that. Here's what he says, I'll be your defender. I'll be your defender. You go attack. I'm, I will defend. I'm giving you every weapon you need to attack. Now go. Go attack the enemy. Go tear down the walls. Go tear down the gates. I'll take care of the defense. You go do that. That's why you don't spend your life defending yourself. That's why you don't have to get on Facebook and defend everything. You don't have to do that. You, don't have, you just look silly doing that. You don't have to defend yourself and everything you think. Let God defend you. You go attack the enemy. God's given you weapons for that. We'll talk about it next time. He's given us weapons to attack. Let's do what he's designed us and created us to do.
We serve a great big God, don't we? We serve a great big God. We serve a God who's all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere you go. You can't escape him. David said, where can I go to get away from you? I can go to the heights and I can go to the depths, and there you are. I can't get away from you, God. You're the almighty, all-powerful, healing, delivering, saving, setting free God. That's who we serve today. The God that designed us to be on attack. So here's what I'm encouraging you to do this morning. Let's change our outlook. Let's change how we think about things. I'm no longer running from the devil. I'm running at the devil. I'm no longer running in fear. He's the one who's afraid of me. I have the Spirit of God and the Word of God in me. He's locked up behind the gate. He's the Jericho. He's shut the gates. He's fortified. He's the one saying, I can't stand against the church, and we are the church today. And he can't stand against you.